All right, most of my podcast episodes won't just be me ranting, but in this case, the person I was supposed to have on the podcast just couldn't make it. So it's just you and me, dear listeners, and you're stuck listening to me trying to explain what's going on with these silicon qubits that have a nine-second coherence time. I can't even stay focused for it. Hey, is that a squirrel? Be right back. Gotta check this out. Okay, back to quantum computing. Uh, In case you were wondering, yes, it was a squirrel. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I had an interview planned, like I said, and the rest of season three of quantum computing now should actually be interviews with people who know what they're talking about instead of just me. Um, and but my interviewee had something come up and he wasn't able to make it um, and do the podcast recording. So I figured I'd just I'd uh, rant a little bit and try to explain something that's going on. So yeah, uh, quantum learning about a big news item is what we're here to talk about. And you've probably heard about this if you're following quantum computing news at all. Um, that's because quantum motion has claimed that they have silicon-based qubits with a coherence time of up to nine seconds. And we're gonna dive into all of this news, and by the end of the podcast, you should be able to understand what all this means, what it doesn't mean, how they did this, why it matters. And if you don't understand that by the end, please feel free to yell at me on Minds or uh, email or Anchor voice message. Yeah, and uh, I am eminently uncreative. My podcast is called Quantum Computing Now, after all. So I'm just going to go through and answer the the big questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how about this news. So the question of who, uh, we have Quantum Motion, which is a UK-based startup. Um, and the, the people behind this advancement are uh, associated with Quantum Motion. Um, I, sh- I should note that um, four of the 11 authors of the paper on PRX Quantum are affiliated with Quantum Motion. The other seven are affiliated with various universities in the UK and France, Um, but this was headed up and they were all sort of working with Quantum Motion, and Quantum Motion has put out press releases and etc. And yeah, so who is Quantum Motion? Um, From their website, they say they are creating qubits using conventional transistor processes, sorry, transistor process technology will be revolutionary in its democratizing impact on the power of quantum computers. So uh, to sum that up, uh, they're using existing uh, existing processes to make uh, superconducting or uh, sorry, semiconducting uh, semiconductor technology like transistors that you would have um, everyday items in your phone or laptop or um, what have you. Uh, and they're using this existing technology, these existing processes, to make quantum computers, um, which is really interesting. It's not as simple as you just take what you already have in your phone and turn it into a quantum computer, um, but it's the same process to create the transistors in your phone as it is to create these silicon-based uh, quantum uh, qubits. Yeah, so uh, that's super interesting. And then the democratizing impact part is talking about how it should be easier because we already have all this technology and all this infrastructure built up should be easier to make these silicon-based quantum uh, devices as uh, as compared to things like making superconducting qubits or ion trap qubits where it's a it's a lot of research and development and you'd have to revamp a lot of processes in order to make these scalable so, yeah, moving on to the next question, which is what? What did they do? 
the big result here is the long coherence time of 9 seconds. And to be more specific, that 9 seconds was the maximum T1 coherence time, plus or minus 3 seconds. So we've talked about this before on the podcast, I think. Um, but in case you haven't heard that or you need a refresher, there are two different measures of coherence times. You've got T1 and T2. T1 is called the relaxation time, and T2 is the dephasing time. Um, the authors of the paper only measure T1, not T2, and they even note this in the conclusion um, that they say, while it is the spin coherence time, T2, that ultimately limits qubit fidelity, the long spin relaxation times we measure up to 9 seconds are particularly encouraging for these devices. Um, and so... Uh, what, what does that mean? What are relaxation time and dephasing time? Um, relaxation time is the time it takes for a qubit to flip um, from 0 to 1. Uh, sorry, from 1 to 0. You, uh, it's how long it takes to quote-unquote relax from the state of 1 to the state of 0. Then the dephasing time is more like how long it takes to go from a state like plus to a state like minus. Um, where you've got phases. So um, if you know the uh, the expanded form of plus and minus, plus is um, 1 over square root 2 plus uh, 1 over, yeah, uh, I guess, 1 over square root 2 of 0 uh, plus 1 over square root 2 uh, state 1, and then minus is 1 over square root 2 minus 1 over square root 2 uh, 1. Sorry, that's it's hard to explain over uh, a audio format. But the idea is there: you're going from plus uh, the that plus phase to a minus phase. Um, in any case, uh, they essentially just initialized a silicon-based qubit in the zero state. They flipped it to a one state, and then they time how long it takes for the qubit to relax back to the zero state. Uh, the longest time that they were able to measure was nine seconds. That's sort of the the three second the three sentence summary of what's going on here. So I thought it'd be interesting to see a comparison. So the comparison here is that the T1 time, um, their relaxation time on IBM's Kolkata device, which is a 27 qubit superconducting device with a quantum volume of 128, is about 130 microseconds. So let's see, that is. 130 microseconds is what uh, six, seven uh, orders of magnitude smaller uh, than nine seconds. So it is a significant jump from 130 microseconds to nine seconds. Um, an another result coming out of the paper from PRX Quantum um, is that they've also made the readout system for converting the quantum dots state to a classical state smaller than previous methods had. Um, but that's not really the main headline here, and that's not what people are focusing on. Um, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that. And so then, uh, what did they not do? Um, like I already mentioned, they didn't measure the T2 time, which might be even more important than the T1 time. Um, and they did not run any sort of algorithm on this quantum chip. Um, it was just one qubit. Um, you, un unless, I suppose, you count flipping from 0 to 1 an algorithm. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily count that uh, as an algorithm. Um, and one of the reasons that they didn't run any algorithms is because this is only it's just one qubit. There's no two qubit gates, as far as I can tell, um, that were implemented or even, even possible to do. 
So um, yeah, they, this isn't a full-blown quantum system, but it is promising. Um, it's promising that it could point to more easily creatable quantum systems in the future. So the next question here, the next question here is when? Um, and not much to say here. The paper was submitted on the 16th of May, 2020, and the paper was published on the 31st of March, 2021. So it's really interesting to note that from the time of submission to the time of publication is almost a full year. I mean, this isn't an isolated incident. I've talked with a number of people who have submitted papers to prestigious journals, and that's honestly pretty typical. Um, so if you are planning on publishing anything just know you need about a, a year lead time okay next question is where we already talked about this a little bit um, it's quantum motion mainly uh, the UK and France um, and specifically the press release put out by quantum motion says that the chips themselves were manufactured at CEA LETI in Grenoble France I think CEA Letty um, and the actual experiments were performed at University College London so why? why? Why are we doing this? Um, the reasoning is that we already have all this infrastructure built up to create CMOS technology. So if we can utilize that to make qubits, we don't have to build up new technologies like we would with photonic or ion trap quantum computers, for, for example. Um, CMOS is just a very common type of semiconductor used frequently for transistors. Um, and it's it's like I said, very, very, very common. Um, and so we know a lot about this manufacturing process and we don't have to start from the scratch like we do when we're building Josephson junctions for superconducting, um, superconducting qubits like you would find at IBM or Google. Um, you don't have to start very much from scratch like you would with photonics or ion traps. I guess ion traps have been around for a while too. Um, but you don't have an ion trap in your phone, and you've got CMOS in your phone for sure. So yeah, as John Morton, who is the co-founder of Quantum Motion, said, it has taken 70 years for transistor development to reach where we are today in computing, and we can't spend another 70 years trying to invent new manufacturing processes to build quantum computers. We need millions of qubits and an ultra-scalable architecture for building them. Uh, our discovery gives us the blueprint to shortcut our way to industrial-scale quantum chip production. So really the end why here is that we want to make quantum computers faster and cheaper. Um, and faster in this sense, not as a, you can do more with them, but you can make more of them. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know how ultra scalable this will be. Um, it sounds like very smart people in the field are excited about this prospect and this technology. Um, but... I, I do think that there are still hurdles, um, and there are some open questions that I have at the end that if people uh, can answer, that would make this seem much more plausible to me. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's not a it's not a done deal, um, as they would say. There's no guarantee currently that this is going to be like, oh, this is it, silicon's won because they've got nine second coherence times. Uh, but yeah, I, I we'll get a little bit more into that in a second. Um, because we've got one last question, uh, which that I'm somewhat able to answer, which is how, how did they do this? Uh, and the answer is carefully. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Uh, just, just kidding. Uh, so step one is create a quantum dot using CMOS technology, which like we said, standard stuff. Um, again, 
the creating the quantum dot is going to be different than creating a transistor. Um, different in the sense that you're going to put your material, your, your metal and your oxides different in different places in order to make the quantum dot versus the transistor. Um, but not different in the, in the technology used to create the, the technology. <laughs> uh, yeah, so step two is cool the quantum dot down to almost absolute zero, negative 273 Celsius. And then you trap an electron in the quantum dot. You want just a single electron in there. Then you use fancy pulses that I don't understand to change the spin of that electron from whatever they've defined as zero to one. So, I don't know, spin down to spin up or vice versa. And then you use this new readout system that they've developed, which involves spin-dependent tunneling to read out the state. Um, and the spin-dependent tunneling, I really don't understand. Um, I, it sounds fascinating, and I'd love to learn more, but um, at this point, I don't think I could explain it super well. So yeah, easy peasy. Uh, just, yeah, make a quantum dot, just change the spin of the electron in the quantum dot, and invented a brand new readout system to <laughs> use spin-dependent tunneling to read out the state. Um, that's it. And yeah, the last part here is the open questions. Um, and open questions that I had, um, reading through some of the high-level overviews and a little bit of the paper, um, at least what I could understand in the paper, uh, questions left on my mind were, uh, what is the readout fidelity? What needs to be done to start testing this with two qubit gates to actually scale this up and make it a true quantum computer? Um, if you need to have the chip at almost absolute zero, do you really gain that much advantage doing silicon qubits over superconducting or ion traps or even photonics, even though photonics don't need to be cooled to absolute zero? Um, it's interesting to look at this, like, what are the trade-offs between, okay, photonics, you don't need to cool the chip um, down to almost absolute zero, so there's a, you know, it's not as hard to manufacture that but you need to find out how to manufacture those chips, which is going to be hard. Whereas we already know how to manufacture with the CMOS technology, so silicon qubits win on that front. Anyways, there's a lot of interesting trade-offs here, and like I said, I don't, I don't think there's a clear winner. Um, why is the measured time, t, uh, sorry, uh, measured time T1 9 seconds plus or minus 3? What, why is that plus or minus three there is specifically what I'm asking. Is that a 95% confidence interval or uh, what's what's going on there? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I read through the paper, like I said, what I could. I didn't really see where that plus or minus three came from. So yeah, if anyone has that answer, please let me know. Um, and then finally, how long would it take to perform gates on this uh, silicon qubit? Um, or, you know, two qubit gates on silicon qubits. Because if the coherence time is nine seconds, but then gates take 10, that's that's just a non-starter, right? There's no point in doing this. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's going to take 10 seconds to perform a gate. Um, but I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the trade-off for, like, superconducting ion traps versus these silicon-based devices. Because um, superconducting qubits have shorter coherence times. Um, if, if I remember correctly, they have shorter coherence times, but the gates also take shorter to run. And ion trap computers 
uh, quantum computers have longer coherence times, but the gates also take longer to run. So um, it's not it's the, like with uh, superconducting an ion trap, there's not a clear winner because you have that that trade-off. I'm wondering what that trade-off is here um, for silicon qubits, right? Like if we have nine-second coherence times, are we going to have you know tenth of a second gate times or millisecond gate times rather than nanosecond gate times anyways that's a that's a question that i didn't really see in the paper um i didn't look around too much for um, but if anyone has that answer i would i'd love to hear it all right i got some nice words but no questions or corrections so nothing to share with you this week but if you want to send me some questions or corrections, reach out to me, uh, one Ethan Hansen on Minds. You can send me an anchor voice message, or you could shoot me an email. Uh, my email is oneethanhansen at protonmail.com. Links to all of these things are in the show notes. All right, as per our usual arrangement, links are in the show notes, like I just said about my social media and ways to contact me. Um, but also things we talked about in this episode, uh, like more info on IBM's devices if you want to check that out. Um, also info about the news that we talked about with Quantum Motion from their website, um, and then a couple others like thequantumdaily.com. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry this was a short episode. Like I said, the other ones should be interviews and more interesting, um, but I just had time to prepare this one news story, and I wanted to get something out there because I'm really going to try hard to have that uh, every two weeks cadence for this podcast throughout season three. And if you would like to support me so I can make more and better episodes, please support me on Anchor. There's a link to that in the show notes. You could also send me some crypto. Um, I've got addresses for that in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening. I'll have the next episode out when I get to it.